no, no plunder on TV will ever get a job again. <laughs> Dumb and dumb, I'd call Did you see that um, thing with the Marseille-Nice game? Like the, the, the fan stuff? Yeah, I, I, watched, I watched a little bit earlier today. I don't think I saw the full video, but yeah. Because yeah, there, like pretty... there was like a five-minute like full unedited clip on Reddit I saw a while back. And so obviously you've seen partial of it. Like the, the fans throw the things at um, Payet and then he throws them back and then Guendouzi tells him to fuck off. And then the other Marseille player comes and like I don't think he's the bit you didn't see the Marseille player like comes and boots the ball into the crowd too yeah no they uh, didn't show that yeah either. and then obviously chaos ensues Marseille players with red things on their neck and everything I'm all I love that fans are back in the stadium but this is like not the first quite serious like fan sort of problems we've had since fans have been back in the stadium whether it's racism or this or even just like s- silly things like in the championship Fans just jumping on into the stadium, every, uh, jumping onto the pitch every time a, a goal a goal is scored. Yeah, yeah, I remember seeing so, that in the in the championship highlights. Yeah. Do you think this will just simmer down once everyone gets used to back being back in the stadium, or this is like an issue that is becoming a bit of a concern? I mean, I, th- I think the Marseille one is just like you know a, a pretty like uh, the, the other incidences are really not as serious and not a huge problem and probably simmer down as people get used to being back in stadiums like people like championship games people running onto the field and celebrating but yeah then the, the nice marseille one was i don't know there, there was a lots of different factors going into that one i don't think dimitri payet throwing the bottle back into the crowd was a good oh absolutely move no, no. <laughs> and i think we we know a little bit about gwen Doozy's temperament um that was ridiculous. I mean, he's pretty young, so that that comes into it. But, but it's it was, like the, it was a ridiculous way to act. Add it, add it to the long list of uh, behavioral problems that he's had. Exactly. Yeah. One, one thing I will say is like I I don't think Payet should have acted that way. And I I was watching this podcast from the, the two guys in the street that I like to watch. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and one of them one of them was like. If I if I if I've got a two million mansion and, and three Porsches in the drive, you can throw as many bottles that you want to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but on the other hand, no matter like they're at the on the other hand, it's I sort of thinking about it. It's like they are sort of human beings at the end of the day, and like they don't. No one deserves to have stuff thrown at them. Yeah, but you know, it it, it just comes with with being a professional footballer. And, and fans feel millions. Yeah, and fans feel strongly about. I mean, obviously, obviously, it's wrong for the fans to throw bottles, but you need to be. You need to be the cat scratching at the door. You, you you need to be a bit more mature as a as a leader. Yeah, for sure. I think yeah. I think at the end of the day, no one's in the right really. But professionals need to probably just think a little bit. Yeah. Just 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 like you've seen so many other cases of a player gets hit and something just sort of shows it to the ref and throws it to the side. Right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Anyway, all, all that's going to happen is it's going to escalate it, and yeah, exactly. it's just embarrassing that like seeing it today and that highlight clip was just embarrassing yeah. for everyone involved. Yeah, it's 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 really not what we want to see. But like, I guess the good and the bad of fans being back in the stadiums. Yeah, mainly good. Yeah, mainly good. Main. Uh, anyway, of course, welcome back to the forty yard switch. As always, I'm Woodson, and alongside me is um, Wilby. I've got Wilby. Yeah, and we've got Pepe with us here today. And we've got, as well. Yeah, we've got. Um, 
Wilbur's son, Pepe, uh, rolling around the studio, walking around the studio. So if you hear any meows, that's that's where that come from. Uh, so uh, where are we going to kick ourselves off with? I think you, you've got three, you've got three games on your tally today. So how about you kick us off? I'll start us off. Um, the, the the first one I've got down is Wolves Tottenham. I think not too much of a spectacle, but I think it's just relatively interesting with um, Nuno's return to the Molyneux. Um, or just Molyneux. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, it was it was an interesting game. I think the first the first um, talking point is the penalty. What well, what are your thoughts? Do you think it's a penalty or not? See, like I I think I said this to you yesterday as well. Initially, I thought it was first time watching it, but then you showed it to me again, and it's like he has pretty much initiated the contact entirely by himself. And it sort of comes back to that, like when they said they were changing the rule for like players, like for like well, I don't remember the exact wording, but it was like it's isn't it's contact with consequence or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was yeah. it was like, and the way of that's been dumbed down for people is like they're being more harsh on players looking for contact, yeah, rather than um, like you know players just getting contacted at all. So I, I, yeah, on, on review, with that in mind, I don't think it's a penalty. Stop. <laughs> Sorry, Pepe's nibbling at my uh, cord. Um, but yeah, I, it's, it's a tough one because it's one of those ones where like there's enough contact there that if he, the ref gives it, you're not going to overturn it. But it's not a penalty, really, because he's, he's he's jumped into the goalkeeper. Hey. Yeah, I th- I think for me, like when you look at it, it's like out of a textbook where the player jumps. You know, it's one of those ones where it's the player is looking for the contact and looking to go down. Like he's on his way down and sticks his leg out in the direction of the goalkeeper. The thing that was shocking for me was that like he literally jumped so two feet off the ground yeah. into the keeper. Yeah. Yeah. To really sort of exaggerate the contact. Yeah. But yeah, in the grand scheme of things, like yeah, like I think. The new rule changes are going to take a little bit of getting used. To. I think they're good in the long run. More contact is probably better because the league was going quote going quote unquote too far in the distance of being soft. But yeah, I think it'll take a little bit of getting used to. Like Allah, stuff we'll talk to talk about later. But the Saka penalty incident against Chelsea, the, yeah. the Bruno foul and lead up against Southampton, like or foul or not foul, like yeah. these are things that the players will take getting used to because all three of those are probably penalties. Yeah, or fouls um, last season, and now only one of them was given. You know. Yeah, I think it's. I, I just think with, the, with with those penalty calls, it's always going to be difficult for referees to be fully consistent with it, even if you've got a video assistant. Because, like, yeah, as we've talked about, the thing that comes into it is whether the referee calls it in real time, and that will depend on the angle that he's looking at at it from. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, for for me, it's not a penalty. And apart from that, I don't think Tottenham really created that much. It, at the end of the first half I've got here, it was eight shots to one in, in favour of Wolves. And by full time, it was 25 shots to eight in favour of Wolves. Wow. Um, I knew about the eight shots to one, but that final, that's damning. Yeah. So, yeah. Tottenham, <laughs> Tottenham didn't play great. Um, Kane came on and looked okay. I think he had one shot on. One, yeah, the one-on-one one on one against from the corner yeah. of the six-yard box. You, you'd almost expect him to do a little bit better there. Yeah. But um, yeah, for, for me, the talking points are the Kane situation. So there's seven days left in the transfer window and they've got two games which he's expected to be involved in. So it's looking like he's not going anywhere. Yeah. Um, 
Because City just not going to front up a 150 or... Yeah, well, I, I think that the last thing from Romano is that the yeah, the most recent bid was 120 million or, or something like that. So, I don't know. We'll have to see what happens there. Yeah. For, for me, I feel like it was funny. My friend Josh said the other day, he said that somehow Spurs have shithoused their way to six to six points. Yeah. Like, they weren't convincing against City, but City were poor and they got the job done. Albeit, they were decent on the counter. And then, yeah, Wolves, I just sort of, it went down a similar path to how the City game was, except they were worse. But somehow, like, Wolves, if not for Adama Traore Probably, being yeah. stupid and not knowing how to finish, would have won that game. Yeah. But, like... He, I, was, he made uh, Tanganga look silly. Like, like a kid. I yeah. thought Tanganga was, like, really solid against City, which he was. Yeah, he was. But, like, yeah. that whole, like, getting really touch tight to, to, like, tricky, pacey wingers only really works if they're not built like a brick shit yeah. house, like a Tama is. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's definitely interesting. Like, they've they've done very well, um, yeah, to, to, to get six points from the two games, which are two difficult games, and it's a great start for Nuno, but it seems like there might be some issues there. But I think a, a really big positive for Spurs... In the first two games, um, and early on in their season, is Delhi Alley looking quite good? I wanted to get your thoughts on because at the start of Mourinho's tenure with with um, Spurs, Delhi Alley also had a bit of a resurgence and then fell off. Do you think it's going to be easier to maintain with Nuno, or do you think it's something in Delhi Alley? Because we know that Mourinho can make you know. Yeah. I feel, players heads. I feel like that is similar to the question how long is a piece of string you just don't know <laughs> yeah. like Deli Alley is such a moody player such a confidence player such a quote unquote like bipolar player he'll either, like one like five two or three games he'll be on showing that that form he had when he won the young player of the year and then two or three games, he'll be non-existent. And then we're at the bench for two games. So, truth be told, I don't like the guy at all. So, I hope, <laughs> I hope he's shit. <laughs> but I, just, I, I, but I, just, I think like it's, it's good science. It's good science. Yeah. I just think it, there's definitely something in the fact that maybe Nuno can, can help him more than Mourinho would have. Because it seems that Mourinho can isolate players. And Nuno seems to be a better I feel like man, Nuno, manager. Yeah, Nuno's definitely... Like a guy that like his past players, especially although I only know of Wolves when I speak of this, but his past players speak highly of him, and yeah. he's quite a good like team guy. Yeah. So if 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 anyone can, I guess he can. Yeah. But I suppose yeah, Pochettino was also yeah. So anyway, but then it'll be po- interesting. But then Poch- wasn't Pochettino ma- uh, manager when Dele Alli won Young Player of the Year? Or was that before him? No, no, he he was good when Poch was there, but he also fell off towards fell off, the end of yeah. Poch's. Yeah, it's interesting because like Deli, it seems to be like he was good for a few seasons, then fell off with Potts. Then he was good for half a season with Mourinho, then fell off. So he's only going to be good for four games now, and then yeah. fall off with Nuno. <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, ultimately, I one thing I did get out of this game is I think Wolves will be better than I gave them credit for this season. I thought they would drop off substantially with Nuno gone, um, but they look to be quite solid. Like they've. They've replaced Doherty at right wing back with, I don't know who, the, uh, no, Marcel. He looks really good. That, that young guy, Kilman at centre back, replaced, seems to be filling in for Willy Bolly beautifully. And um, Raul Jimenez hasn't scored yet, but 
looks good. And yeah. I, I know I'm saying they could be better than I give them credit for, despite the fact that they've lost both their games 1-0. But they look decent. They look, yeah. they look I decent. think it's 42 shots over the two games and no goals. Yeah, so it's just a matter of it clicking. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, anyway, moving on to a game that wasn't quite as exciting as, as that game, but did did somehow have one more goal in it, which is United obviously drawing one all to Southampton. Now, this is far from what I expected. I thought and still do kind of think that Southampton will be a relegation fodder team this year. But they looked decent enough in defence and had a couple chances on the um, capitalising from United errors. But I feel like for me, it was more just a case of United off the pace. And I know me and you have already talked about this and don't really completely see eye to eye. But like, yeah, my thing of it is United were just a little off the pace for whatever reason. And it just, especially in the second half, I thought the first half was okay, but like it couldn't quite get it going because uh, Martial was just not good up front. Um, But the second half, especially, not not blaming this on Jadon Sancho, but once they brought Jadon Sancho on, yeah, around the 55 to 60 minute mark they were poor in my eyes I think <laughs> we, we've, we've disagreed off air and I, I think the reason that we disagree is because initially you said they were poor and I didn't I, did, I just I just don't think they weren't great but they weren't that bad Yeah, and like you know again you have to take into account now that away days are going to be more difficult I'm I'm sounding like Ty from <laughs> yeah, and also I'm just gonna, like, like, my, my viewpoint is on this. Mary's. <laughs> my, my... <laughs> it's a coliseum. <laughs> no, but my viewpoint is like if United want to take that next step, like they were comparing on MNF uh, last yesterday, where it's like the jump that Klopp took from 75 points to 97 points in that third season. If they wanted or that fourth season, if they want to do that, they have to go to these lower end teams and just put them away yeah yeah. Um, and it wasn't necessarily like the fact that they just weren't great it was like the lack of intent to to finish a game with the last 15 minutes like there was maybe one or two crosses that went close to the keeper in the last 15 minutes of that game you need to be peppering the goal Mm. and I feel and I think my biggest thing from this is if anything this game highlighted even more the need for United to get a solid Defensive or at least defensively minded midfielder, and there's reports that like Chelsea and United are potentially in for Sal Niguez from uh, Atletico Madrid. Yeah, but it's I've looking like that. Chelsea are more likely. If I'm United, I am absolutely a hundred percent, hundred and ten percent all in on that because they need a guy like that. Even if even if they're going to continue playing Pogba in the three behind the striker, which I don't agree with, I think it makes the team unbalanced. But if they're going to keep doing that, you need someone next to Fred that is better than McTominay or Matic because those two are not going to win your Premier League. Yeah. I, w- I was thinking maybe like Eves Basuma could be a good target for United. Yeah, absolutely. I think, that w- I think that would be really good. But I, I 100% like agree with the fact that they need... Um, yeah. They-, they need a better defensive midfielder and they need probably to be paying- playing Pogba next to him as the pivot. Yeah whoever it might be because Pogba and Fred doesn't work like Fred is undervalued in terms of what he gives defensively to that United team but now that they've brought Varane in they like all they need is one guy to sort of sit back and screen a little bit 
and have Pogba play next to him and basically just dictate things from back there, which means you can have Bruno Fernandes in the middle and two pacey wingers, be it Rashford when he's fit and Sancho or Greenwood and then Cavani up top. Yeah. Because, yeah, playing Pogba there isn't bad in that wing role, but it's... Yeah, because like we were saying... You, you lose. You Pogba, lose from it. Pogba works there in that left of Bruno in the three, but but he works there because he's just a phenomenal footballer. Yeah. Like, and it's he's not, red it's hot not, at the moment. Yeah, it's not because... Yeah, it's it, 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 that system is working to his strengths. He's just making the system work because he's just stupidly good at football at the moment. Yeah. I mean, in general, but like... But you need... like The way... United should be aiming to play is Sao Niguez and Pogba or Fred and Sao Niguez and you still have Pogba in the three. That would still wouldn't be as balanced as I'd, I would like it if I'm a United manager or fan, but at least that is better than uh, Fred and McTominay or Fred and Matic because they took Fred off. Fred It was Fred and Matic against Southampton. They took Fred off for McTominay in like the 60th minute or the 65th minute and they got even worse in midfield. Yeah. And it's just like that, you can't have that happen. Yeah. <laughs> like, you need, like, if anything, you need to be bringing Fred on at that moment to get better. Yeah. And I, I still don't understand why um, D- Donny van der Beek hasn't been given more of a go. Me and, too. Like, and, and Matic is playing. And I think a lot of United fans are unhappy about that. But yeah. But it is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. I think not terrible. It's like, it's, it's, it's all right to come over with the point. Yeah. But I agree. If you're going to be pushing for the, you know, t- t- you know, t- top of the Premier League. Yeah. If you want to be winning the Premier League, <laughs> then, you know, you, you need to be winning those games 100%. They, they just seem to lack a little bit of, like, thinking that they can win the league. You know? Killer instinct. Yeah. No, but they, they do lack it. Like, they don't, I don't think they believe it. But they, like, they're like, oh, we might win it in a couple this is seasons. Another, this is another thing why I think another, another crucial thing is they need Cavani back and fit. Like, so, I, someone yeah, he point, is that player. Someone pointed out on the thing I was listening to the other day is that, like, who... They, they were behind against Southampton away, even though there was no fans in the stadium last season. And who yeah, brought them that. back in that yeah. game? It was Cavani. Remember that game. Because yeah. he, he's been around the blocks. He may be 33 or whatever, however old he is, but he is a winner. Yeah. He knows how to, like, grind out games and get those goals. And then you've got Martial. <laughs> yeah. He needs they need to ship him, man. Like yeah. there's, there's a couple players United need to sell. Like to like they probably don't need to fund the transfer of a of a midfielder, but like they could get rid of James, they could get rid of Martial, they can get rid of Lingard, and they can get rid of Matic. Yeah. Or I don't think they get rid of James just because like he's alright rotation player, you bring him in the cups, that sort of thing. But Martial for sure. And I think Oli has done a good job over the past few seasons of shipping these players that Van Hal and like the rest of them brought in. They yeah. had so much money spent on their squads and they brought in just terrible players. I think he's done a good job and I think he's definitely moving in the right direction. I don't see them getting another central midfielder or a striker this transfer window though. No. They're done for yeah. this transfer window. Yeah, which is a shame because Sour Niguez would be good for them. But then it, hopefully, yeah, I say hopefully, I don't really want United to get these players, but... <laughs> Hopefully, if you're an United fan, it means if they're not doing it this season, they're going all in on Calvin Phillips or Declan Rice or someone like that next season. Because Declan, for me, Declan Rice is to get the best out of Pogba is the best fit. But either one of those two mm. would be amazing in that team. Yeah, I'd I'd like to see that, and that does seem to be United's sort of transfer strategy more recently. Is you know they take their time and they scout players out, and Rice is definitely a target for them. So. Yeah. 
Um, the next game. <laughs> Segway. Spent quite a few time, quite a few, time, quite a bit of time on two games already. But anyway, let's go. Um, West Ham Leicester. It was definitely an interesting game. I think the the big, the big talking point and turning point for the game is the red card for Ayose Ayose Perez. God. Ayose Perez. Ayose Perez. Yeah, for me, it is a red card, though. Yeah. Like, it can feel a little bit hard done by, but... For, for the angle we saw, even though they didn't really show us any other angle, from the angle we saw, he misses the ball by too much to justify that he was going for it. Yeah, and steps out in the direction of his yeah. leg. Like, it's and like, bizarre. You can have a song and dance all you want, but like, like they should know that like that's been cracked. It's been cracked down on for like two or three seasons now. It's yeah. just like, don't make contact with your studs above players yeah off the ground yeah but yeah if if your foot's off the ground put your studs down exactly but yeah obviously that turned the game and uh a player we were talking about last week who i said was looking a lot better who continued to be better even though he wasn't playing in that link position was ben rama i thought he was really good obviously antonio stole the show beating the west ham goal scoring record the celebration the two goals whatever but ben rama was really good again and not essentially he was out left and him and four nails and bowen were a really good three yeah. behind antonio four nails also looked really good yeah i think yeah obviously same as tottenham they, they got maximum points but eight goals look really really convincing like look shit hot yeah um the question is how how long can it can it last yeah, although I'm hearing they're very close to signing Kurt Zuma for thirty million new pounds. Oh yeah, so that is. I think I don't know that. I feel like that's not really. I mean, it's good for depth, but I think they need the depth further further forward. Yeah, I, I, I like it's interesting for me like whether maybe Lingard goes back there on a loan spell if he do, if he isn't in, included in United's plans as much. Like he hasn't featured for United at all. Admittedly, it's been two games, but. That would be interesting. That would be because then when they need him at this, you know, this the after Christmas, like when Europa League is potentially hotting up and yeah, and they're they're an injury to Mikel Antonio away from being not so well off because I don't like they 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 got rid of Andy Carroll who wasn't that good anyway, um, and I'm pretty sure Sebastian Allo isn't in there any isn't there anymore. So yeah, I feel no, like he went back to France. He went back to France. So think. who leads the line? If he goes down at the moment. I don't actually know. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For sure. But for, for now, they look good. I, I think they can, you know, cope with the, an injury to one of those guys, like Fanel Benrama or Antonio. But as soon as you lose, like, two of them, I think it's going to be very difficult. Yeah. And it's it's likely because they're going to have to play a lot of football this A lot season. of football, yeah. Especially, like, because, like, it's, it, come November, December, it's, like, cup competitions, Europa League and Premier League and it's thick and fast and all of a sudden you're playing three games a week and you're really struggling yeah also like but one thing I will say about the Zuma transfer if, if Zuma's gonna start and you've got Ogbonna Zuma and Socek at corners and free kicks that is ridiculously dangerous from yeah. set pieces apparently I read something on Reddit I'm not sure how accurate this is but generally people fact check uh, do their research sorry is that apparently Zuma is in the 90 90 fourth percentile of aerial challenges 
Oh really? Yeah, he's. he's okay. not, I, I remember him scoring a few headed goals for Everton. Yeah, he's he's pretty damn good. Yeah, yeah. So that that definitely another feather in their cap of what is West Ham's one of West Ham's most useful uh, attacking arsenals. Yeah. For me, for Leicester, I just think it was just one of those days. You get a player sent off, and then rather than go defensive and try and hit him the counter, he adds another striker rather than going for another for a more short up thing, and it just backfired. Like, yeah, I don't feel like there's too much to read the, into that. The Patson Dakar assist. Oh yeah, it's class. <laughs> fresh air, fresh airy or dummy, you will never know. <laughs> um, and yeah, saw you true. I don't know what. That just doesn't look up before he passes the ball. Yeah, it's, that's, that's, that's diabolical. Just, it's schoolboy yeah. error. Like you, you always got a shoulder check. See where your keeper is. Yeah. Anyway, it was it was an interesting result and a great celebration. But yeah, can't read too much into that game. Um, I think the way I've set this up was that I want to talk about the Chelsea game before we talk about the Chelsea game next week Go so have, have you got one more game to? oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so sorry I messed you up there but anyway uh, let, let's go into the Everton game first and then I'll get into it so Everton <laughs> what a game um, yeah this was I reckon this was game of the weekend for me this was a really really good game like Ellen Road was going like um, was going off sorry looking at my phone <laughs> Ellen Road was going off um there were some there were some really good goals in there from um, Rafinha. Damari Gray's goal was really good. Either team could have won it. I think like a, the the sort of um, feeling on Everton Reddit was we probably could have won the game, but you take a point away at Ellen Road, especially with the, the momentum Leeds had last ten minutes for sure. Yeah, and it was like the first Premier League game or top flight game um, at Ellen Road in twenty years or something. Like that? Yeah, or maybe even forty. No, they were in the Premier League in 2000. True. Yeah. yeah, no, that wasn't Premier League. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, I'm, I'm like ha- happy with the performance. I thought Decore and Gray were both incredible. Some sort of, I don't know, bad things from an Everton perspective were Keane, like two mistakes leading to goals in as many games. Like very uncharacteristic. Probably not an ongoing problem. Yeah. But, I saw, great signs. I saw something uh, it was like a top upvoted comment on Everton Reddit uh, which said this game further solidified my opinion that Yerimina is Everton's best centre back what's your thoughts on that take? that's not true <laughs> <laughs> Michael Keane is, is Everton's best centre back without a doubt I thought Yerimina was really good yesterday and I thought he added to the game in two ways he was really solid defensively but he also added to the whole spectacle with his uh, ongoing yeah. pantomime <laughs> stuff with Patrick Bamford which yeah. I thought was just honestly made the game so much more enjoyable just to watch that little th- uh, thing from Reddit that I sent you yeah <laughs> Mean is a shithouse but he's our shit yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was honestly like that. that's what proper football is about like, yeah, like him yeah. and Bamford getting into it the fans reacting like the booze when they get a card and all that that's yeah. just what I love about Premier League football it was hilarious to watch yeah yeah, I, I really like Mina I think yeah he's, he's good and I, th- I think Keane and Godfrey are, are our two best especially like long term as well yeah but he is a good player to have in the having the team just to teach everyone how to dance yeah like goal celebrations <laughs> Um, but yeah, th- there's no issues at centre back really, but it's not good signs for Keane. I think an issue is Calvert-Lewin's shooting. I was just about to ask you about that. <laughs> yeah, like and like two Cal- two, two goals he probably should have finished that would have put the game to bed in exactly. the second half. When we were two one up, he had two chances. One of them was very clear cut. Should de- or like be three one um, every day of the week, um, and yeah, he missed it. And it's it's not 
It's it's something that's been it's nothing new. Yeah, his finishing has been a problem ever since he's been in the club, and he's he's worked hard and scored lots of headed goals, but you just don't back him when he's running in one on one with a keeper with the ball at his feet. Yeah, so. and I, also that Iwobi pass deserved to be yeah, assist. Yeah. That was an incredible ball. But yeah, I I don't know. I think I, I'm still not ready to be overly concerned about that, just because I think he's. Still only, what, 24? And I've seen him score a bunch of goals, uh, especially, like, good, like, first-time finishes that I'd, I still just think it's going to come good. I don't I don't know. Something I'd... I know I've, like, I've been saying this probably for a season now, but, like, part of me just thinks that, like, he's, he's like, one or two one-on-ones away from it clicking. Yeah. Like all of a sudden he develop he like he, maybe he's working on like chipping the ball or like finding the far corner in training or something and all of a sudden it just clicks and then he's putting him away. Mm. It it's a little bit of a concern obviously because you need you, like you, like he finishes those you win the game and there's been other cases of it but I don't know I just can't shake this feeling that it's going to come right for him. Yeah. I think I think for for like all the, the thing things people like to criticize about Cavalier and like his gangliness his not he's not hasn't got the best first touch in terms of hold up play. I do think he is one of the premier strikers in the EPL. He's I, I, in in my opinion he's got work he's got work to do and the work that he's done so far at Everton has made him better at aspects um, in certain aspects of his game, but haven't improved those areas like his one on one finishing and like his sort of just like. In, like and you potentially can't work on it, but like just instinctive anticipation, like when a player's got the ball of where to run and how to time it and stuff, and like because he, he's mainly worked with Duncan Ferguson, and you can see the areas of his game that Duncan Ferguson was good at have improved. Like it's really strong in the air, works really really hard, but I don't know, he he needs to do something else to improve those areas of his game because it's a very clear ceiling for me, and yeah, I don't know. Mm. He's got a lot of work to do. Yeah. Because these 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 are things that are very hard to improve. Like Yeah, hold up play and No, no, no the hold up play is fine. And like, one on, and one on one finishing. One on one finishing and it's just like bit like a bit more instinctual. Like there was a game in in the previous there was a moment in the previous match against um Southampton, Southampton where Richarlison like had the ball and like Put, put the ball across the um, top of the, the six-yard box. And, like, he just... He, like, he wasn't there in time? Yeah, yeah, he just reacted to it far too late. And it's just little things like that that I just think... Yeah. Not really a natural striker. And yeah. It's very hard to... to fix them. Yeah, that's fair. One thing I will say is, and you, you've already touched on this, is that... Um, t- two points here. Firstly is that the signings of... Uh, Townsend and Gray are going to prove to be really astute signings not because they were so cheap but it's just you've got you surround you basically do what ha- uh, a manager of a team that has a striker like Calvert-Lewin has, should have done from the start which is surround a target man type striker with pacey wingers with good delivery into the box mm-hmm. and that's like and finally you've got that Townsend quick really good delivery into the box Gray has got good delivery, maybe not as good consistently delivery into the box, but is lightning fast and will get delivery into the box and seems to be also having an eye for goal as well. Yeah. So I just feel like 
those two signings uh, complement Calvert-Lewin's strengths in a way that will get better as the season goes on. And my other point is, and it's only two games in, so I'm not going to say this yet, but if Everton keep playing like they are, in at around the 10 game of the season mark, I feel like I could be saying that you guys are playing better football than you played under Carlo. Mm. Yeah, it's it's starting to look like a little bit like just maybe Raph is a bit more realistic about the type of football we can play with the players that we've got and that is like, you know, playing into his hands quite well. Yeah, I also think that like Carlo was like, offensively, it was quite nice to watch, but like I feel like total football, defensive, offensive, flair, one percenters is a really good mix that Rafa seems to have at the moment. Yeah. Um, and I know like you haven't played a top six team yet, but I feel like Raf is the type of pragmatic manager where you'll make it tough for every top six team that you play. Yeah. And then as the season goes on, the games against the Leeds, the Aston Villas, the Newcastles, the teams that are sort of pushing into the middle of the pack, you'll start to win and you'll comfortably beat the teams lower down. Yeah. I think like I obviously this is two games in. I don't want to. I'm not. I'm not here to be like, oh my god, Everton are gonna be really good. But like from what I've seen, it's it's it it looks good. It definitely fills me with a lot more confidence than I had for Everton going into the season. That's for sure. Yeah. There's also a bit of a steadiness to it. Like a like when Carlo came in and we like the first few games last season, it was just like it was a bit like West Ham right now. Like everything's going so well for them. Like it's a bit ridiculous and unbelievable. Um, but yeah, the, the the project under Benitez so far seems to be a bit, you know, a slow slower burn, but it seems more solid. As for Leeds, as for Leeds, just shortly before we move on, I think bit much better than they're showing against United. Still, major work to be done, especially um, defensively. I think that or maybe not defense. <laughs> yeah, no, defensively, I, I think they just don't ever look like they can hold a team out. For more than a half of football, mm. like and and you, you guys played it's the well. Same as last season too, really. Mm, yeah, never, but they never looked like it. Yeah, true. So I just think I think like you're not gonna be able to like just play these games where you win like three, two, four, three, or like all season. Eventually, Bielsa is gonna have to realize that he just has to eat a slice of humble pie, eat a slice of humble pie, and just play a back of four Phillips and another back of four and just block, but. We'll see where leads go. Anyway, here we go. The, the tasty end of the, of the podcast. So obviously Chelsea beat Arsenal a 2-0. There's, I don't think there's much of a story here, personally. I think that the gulf in class between Arsenal and, and Chelsea is, is obvious. And, it, was, and it, it should have been obvious to everyone before the game. And any idea, any, any notions that Arsenal were going to grab something from this game were really like far-fetched in my opinion like it, like it, it's like so evident that, like from managerial tactics to uh personnel to just like effort levels it's it's and like just and just general like footballing it's just like across the board it's just a golfing so class yeah there's a massive golfing quality between the two sides yeah and work rate it seems a little bit too yeah and i get that uh, Arsenal have a bunch of players out at the moment and I do think we will get better once those players are back but I just think once we get all those players back 
don't be surprised if the difference in the team's output isn't massive. It'll be a bit better, but it won't be massive. Hmm. Because the only signing that we've got that we didn't have last season that is a starting caliber player is Ben White. We've got practically the same team. We had Party last year, he's currently out. We only we had Odegaard who we didn't have on the weekend last year. So it'll get better. Yeah. But like don't be surprised if it's like by better it's we beat a couple lower lower table teams but still lose substantially to the top six. Hmm. I don't know. I I, th- I think in like I don't know. I, I think maybe even like later in the season, a little bit Arsenal can kick on. But I just think even if you get some players in now, just the general feeling around the squad seems a bit wrong. Yeah. In my opinion, though, there are lots of pieces there that make Arsenal, you know, should be finishing top six side. Like they've got lots of top quality players. Um, but yeah, it's just whether Arteta can. I don't know improve that feeling around the squad yeah I don't think things are quite as bad as everyone's making it out for Arsenal but yeah there's lots of work to be done lots of work to be done in terms of the game there's not much there's not much to break down because Chelsea were just better for the majority of the game I thought the Kaku was really good um, only scored one goal would have had two if not for a crazy Leno save but he looked really good you know, from an Arsenal standpoint Saka clearly is not fit enough yet uh, while they weren't entirely his fault like he his lack of tracking back uh, and it's it's two things his lack of tracking back tracking Reese James both times and also Arteta's insistence on Tierney to stay narrow and help out Mari because they were that scared about what Lukaku's impact would be led is the reason we conceded both those goals yeah um, but yeah Saka like was looked off the pace offensively like bad touches when he got into the box should have probably won a penalty but I'm not gonna like focus on that for too long um, for me it's a penalty for me it's a, it's a penalty but again like like we said earlier like these things we hope will even out as players get more used to them but yeah for me just quickly yeah he he's getting the ball if Rhys James doesn't touch him it's a foul but anyway there was a, there, he, got, he got he got played through one time uh, in a really nice move and then he just took one two touches then and then hit a heavy touch and lost the ball like so that was already a bad sign. And then his lack of tracking back uh, for both the goals. And then he was rightly the first player to be subbed off. I think, yeah, he, he needs to be coming off the bench for at least one, if not two more games for me. Um, I think it would have been... I think especially in the next Premier League game we play against City, it'll be much more beneficial to have Odegaard in the middle, Smithrow on the left, and Pepe on the right. It's difficult. Arteta's a bit, like, in a bit of a rock and a hard place there, though, because I think lots of fans would be saying, why isn't Saka playing if he didn't play? Yeah. So, but and, I think, and, I, and with all the outs with the, the COVID stuff. Yeah. Like, it's, it's No, it's no, I, I, think, I think he probably had to play because Odegaard wasn't, Odegaard wasn't fit. Um, but now that Odegaard is ready to play, I think Saka should take... A back seat just for a week or two, just 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 to train a lot and come up and have increasingly long stints off the bench. Maybe play a cup game if he plays tomorrow. I don't know, but yeah, uh, the one positive I will take from this game because everyone was pretty poor. Sambi, Sambi Lakonga was class, and this probably won't happen just because Arteta loves Shaka for some reason. But when Party is fit, Party Lakonga could be a really dynamic midfield too. 
Yeah, I like that. But I don't, really see, I don't see it happening just because Arteta has this insistence on playing Shaka for his leadership qualities or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, he's he's a really exciting prospect for sure, and the, I, I, he's more than a prospect. He's he looks like I I thought when he looked good against Brentford, I'm like it's just Brentford. Let's see how he goes against Chelsea, but looked more than serviceable against Chelsea. Yeah, he was great, and I think it's not necessarily a problem if he doesn't play every minute of every game and. Arteta does show a preference for Sh- for Shaka because he is still is t- twenty one years of age, right? Yeah. So like, that is the ideal situation. That's something we talked about with Arsenal in the past. Like they've got an over reliance on really young, young players like Saka. He's the main man. So it's it's nice maybe to have those more experienced players in midfield. In saying that though, they don't really fill the same role yeah. as him. But anyway, uh, it's. That's about, about all I wanted to speak about the Arsenal-Chelsea game because um, the big game this weekend, the only game we'll preview, is that Liverpool are playing Chelsea in what will be the first real test of two title favourites, like title credentials, essentially. Yeah. Um, basing off how both teams went last season, despite the fact that Chelsea finished fourth and Liverpool finished third... People would, I would, and the fact that Chelsea just signed the Kaku, I think most people would put Chelsea as favourites for this game. Would you agree? I I wouldn't have them as. No, I wouldn't. I'm just saying, what would people and the yeah 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 people are loving Chelsea at the moment. Yeah, (laughs) so people are loving Chelsea at the moment, and the book is loving Chelsea at the moment. But I I think this is still Liverpool's game to lose for me. I think Liverpool are the better side still. Yeah, yeah 100%. And this is going to get me onto a point eventually, but what stirred this sort of thinking in my mind was... So I was watching these TikToks we were right? <laughs> <laughs> you know where I'm going with this already, but you, for those listening, uh, there's this uh, Optus Sport presenter, Fabio something, I don't know what his name is, but he ha- has these TikToks where it's like him and this other guy who is a being sport presenter. How these guys are like live TV presenters on football is beyond me because they just have shocking takes I don't know they're never going to hear this so who cares yeah. but basically they were doing like this like combined 11 of a Liverpool and Chelsea and like I mean I should have known there was issues when they put Trent Alexander-Arnold in over Reese James um, I mean no no Reese James in over sorry when they put Reese James in, in over Trent Alexander-Arnold like Regardless of what you think of how Trent played last season, Trent is a better footballer than Rhys James. But that's another thing for another. But yeah. then the main crux of where I took issue with it is that they would have the entire Chelsea midfield over the Liverpool midfield, and which I just think is flat out disrespectful to Fabinho, to Henderson, and to like I'll give them one spot in there for sure. But my point here is, <laughs> and this is this is what I've telling will be to wait for is that if you compare like I feel like everyone's been so hot on Jorginho and we've and we've been critic we've not been not so hot on him and like people will say oh you know you, you don't appreciate what he does blah 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 the list goes on but people like there was even people saying he was going to be a Ballon d'Or favourite whatever but the disrespect that Jordan Henderson gets when people just be like Bro, he's not he's he's not even like he's not even in England's best eleven. Blah blah blah. He's not even like he's like just this like shit player like, and then they lump Georgina with all this praise. I, I, it gets to you. It, like, it, it's clearly it gets to me because Henderson 
captained and was an integral part of the Liverpool team that won, got 97 points and narrowly lost the league but won the Champions League that season and then goes on and captains and wins the Premier League and wins the Club World Cup yeah. the next season. All the while being... like. I don't get where this idea that Jordan Henderson is a bad midfielder or even not a fantastic midfielder comes from. Like, his one-touch passing and his forward progressive passing is so key. And stuff. That, and he, he does so many forward passes that you just would not see Jorginho play. Game in, game out. And, like, the fact that, like, if you asked the majority of football fans out there that, like, uh, Jorginho or Henderson, they'd be like, Jorginho, that's, that's just a disrespect disrespectful question as, as if you even put Henderson in the same light is just ridiculous to me and so I had to rant for a little bit there but like like for me if you're doing a combined midfield if, if you're playing a 4-3-3 I'm not basing this on last season's former Henderson was injured and Liverpool but I'm basing it on like from up, to now, up to now up to now yeah. it's Henderson, Kante and Fabinho yeah I think Fabinho definitely has to be, has to be in there yeah like I think that's the first one Kante as well and yeah I'd, I'd, I'd probably agree and yeah I, I think people just like sort of un, like don't rate Henderson as much just because the role he plays doesn't cover himself in as much glory because like we've talked about it heaps in the past so the, how you know these players like Thiago and um, and Jorginho get on the ball and take as many touches as they want and pass the ball sideways and they look kind of nice doing it Henderson is more of like, you know, it's like like you were saying, it's that one touch. It's like get the ball into your feet and get it out and play it forward straight away and get it to f- those those forwards that Liverpool have to make something happen. So, yeah, it just doesn't cover him as much glory and I think people who don't maybe pay quite as much attention. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I don't, and like when we say, oh, people that don't pay quite as much attention, we don't, we don't want to sound like uppity, like, like we're like these people that like know football so much better. But like literally, if like the thing that made me... Re- Realized. It's just passing the ball forward. It's not yeah. like a really intense analysis, but like, yeah. It's... Yeah, but the thing that made me realize this was his performance against Burnley on the weekend. Like, and it, like, it wasn't much of a game to talk about because Liverpool would just like never go out of first gear and just comfortably beat Burnley 2-0. But like, Jordan Henderson was on fire that game. Like, yeah. like and it, it wasn't, and it was like forward passes along the ground like, on the half turn. It was like little like one touch touches when the ball was coming down from the air to, uh, around a player that was pressing him to another player in space. It was forty-yard switches, yeah, nice. <laughs> plug um, from one side to the other. Like he does everything yeah. that you want from a central midfielder in a team that transitions really quickly. Yeah, like, like Liverpool can hold possession for long periods as well, but like their main route to goal is either the centre back Van Dijk or uh, gets it, or Henderson, the centre midfielder, gets it. And it's just a diagonal ball or a or or a straight line ball that curves out to the wing, and they're in attack in like two seconds. Yeah. And George, like, I, I'm not saying Jorginho is a bad player, but like, he does not do that. And maybe maybe that he doesn't do that because that's not how Chelsea play. But like, the the way that Henderson plays, you will never see that from Jorginho. Like, you just won't. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think to be fair, it, it could be a difference in system and probably is a difference in the way they play yeah. but yeah okay but now i've had my little rant <laughs> they did they did show a little bit of disrespect uh, yeah um this game how's it how do you how do you see it going van dyke versus lukaku well, yeah versus well, that, that's, that's what i was gonna 
I think it's going to be very interesting to see that battle. That's Trent the- versus Reese James. <laughs> <laughs> the Lukaku versus Van Dyke battle is going to be very interesting to see because I don't know if you say have you seen that video where Lukaku is talking through um, with Jamie Carragher how he sort of goes past players. Vaguely remember it. Yeah. Anyway, it's 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 like like he basically explains how how he squares up to um, center halves. And it's basically just like he knows he can beat them physically, so he just holds them off. So it's going to be very interesting to see how that how that plays out because yeah. obviously Van Dyke is the best centre back. And obviously the, he he toyed with Pablo Mari and Rob Holding because they did not play in properly. Because they're Pablo Mari. Yeah, <laughs> but like Virgil Van Dyke, like maybe he's not quite at the level yet because he's still coming back from injury. But like this is the best defender in the world of football from the for like two for like three or four years we're talking about. So it'll be a really interesting um, battle. Another thing that will be interesting will be Liverpool's three versus Chelsea's two in midfield. Yeah. We'll see how good Jorginho and Kante really are. Because <laughs> I, I, I'm not saying they're bad. Like, I think they're phenomenal footballers. Chelsea are a phenomenal team. But I think a lot of people have forgotten how good Liverpool's midfield is. Fabinho, Henderson, and whoever else they play there, whether it's Oxford Chamberlain, whether it's Harvey Elliott, whether it's Naby Keita, like, yeah. it doesn't matter whether it's Thiago, it doesn't matter. I think most people haven't forgotten about it, but it just hasn't been, you know, because of the injuries last season, it just wasn't, it just stopped being talked about. Yeah. But because of the rise of Chelsea and, you know, some yeah. quite good players in their midfield as well. Exactly. I think I think it's going to be very, very tight. I don't think either, t- either team's going to dominate the ball. It's going to be, yeah. I don't know. I haven't really thought of it. If I had to press you for a score prediction, even though you haven't thought about it too much, let's go. I think Liverpool will win. Go two one Liverpool. I like that. I was also going to say two one Liverpool, but I think it'll be. I think it'll be Liverpool go two nil up and then Chelsea get one back. I don't think. I think. I just have a feeling that Liverpool are just going to be like so up for it. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see. Really I'm, very, I'm very excited for that. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, and this, this, like this, and then the Manchester derby when it, whatever, like when that happens, this, they'll be like really key games for me over the course of the season. Those four fixtures. Yeah, any combination of that expected top four. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think as we hit, if you just rolled past fifty minutes, uh, that really flew by. I didn't even yeah, feel like we were been gone for that long. <laughs> Uh, that'll be it for this week. Um, oh, actually, no. No, 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 no. I almost forgot. Cristiano Ronaldo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah so, I, saw, I saw that one open my phone today, yeah. So, yeah, the, there was rumours for a short while that he potentially could go to Tottenham too because there's a guy who has links to Juventus also has links to Tottenham. Yeah. Don't know how much stake I, I have in that. But... I think Daniel Levy's off- going to pay his wages. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No. Being offered to Man City... Rumours he would return to maybe United, and also rumours that if Mbappe goes to Real Madrid, Ronaldo would go to PSG. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen? Just quite quite a credible source. Look, Carve on on Sky Sports was talking about how the agent is trying to make both moves happen. That's Jorge Mendes, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I what's what's definitely surprising to me is that Kylian Mbappe wants to go to Real Madrid right now. I mean. At least, like, play with 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 that team. Like, it's an incredible opportunity. Even if you want to be the main man, you, still, you can still learn plenty from from these players, and then go off and be the main man at Real Madrid. Yeah, you have a, you have a chance to be part of possibly one of the greatest assembled teams in European football in recent history. Yeah, but there is a quote that I saw on Reddit today from him before the Euros. I think 
uh, or just in like June, I think, or something like that, um, or like maybe late May, where he said, everyone knows, he said something along the lines of like, everyone knows the French League is not the best league in Europe, but uh, I feel a, a sense of pride in like elevating the level of the league and showing it off to the world, something like that. Yeah. And while that's an extremely egotistical thing to say, <laughs> uh, I think that potentially, I, I you can think it, but I just don't Confident. think like, I don't think you need to say it. But um, that's that's whatever. But um, for me, that that mindset now that La Liga has kind of fallen off because Messi and Ronaldo have left, maybe he maybe he sees an opportunity to be the poster boy of La Liga and boost that league's profile. Yeah, while getting paid ridiculous money to do it. Yeah. I mean, it'd be a big contract and he'd be the main man at Real Madrid slash the league, like you say. Um, it is strange for me, but I suppose he's just a Real Madrid fan. He's wanted to play there for a long time. So, True. And that's fair enough. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you remember these players, like, they, they are egotistical yeah. and they want to be the main They're not interested in, yeah, being part of a team where they're not the, the main person because they believe in themselves and that's part of what makes them so good. But yeah, I'd, it'd be very interesting to see Ramos, uh, Messi and Ronaldo all playing in the one yeah. team. Yeah, so I reckon that, I also think Pep managing, being the only manager in world football to ever manage Messi and Ronaldo in the, over the course of his career would also be fascinating. Yeah. Uh, and also what Ronaldo would do at the spearhead of that City team just, I can't even, <laughs> makes me go pale just thinking about I would. That is something I would hate to see. I would hate to see Ronaldo go to Manchester City because of, of his United ties. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Like that's just disrespectful to Sir Alex. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 that's, for, for that reason alone, I don't really see that happening. Yeah. If he's going to go anywhere, I think I, I, the most stock I would buy would be in uh, Ronaldo going to PSG when Mbappe goes to Madrid. Yeah. But it's going to be a wild last week of the transfer window. That's for sure. Yeah. But yeah, now that we've now that we've talked about that, <laughs> it is time for us to conclude. So join us next week when hopefully the, all of this has been resolved because the end of August will have rolled, rolled around by then. Oh yeah. So for the results of the Chelsea Liverpool game, the results of the end of the transfer window, and anything else that comes to fruition, uh, will Arsenal, Arsenal get will Arsenal get battered by Man City probably? Um, but yeah, wait and guess and wait and find out. <laughs> Will Arsenal make it through the next round of the Carabao Cup? <laughs> Tomorrow, yeah. Look. I saw this thing on Reddit where it was like, um, it was like uh, something about like, uh, like, oh, it's like next up, uh, uh, we face West Brom. It's like official Arsenal thing. And then it was in the top Reddit comment on Reddit was uh, full time West Brom won uh, Arsenal nil on to Man City. <laughs> <laughs> it ends in defeat at the Hawthorne. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but as always, yeah, uh, follow us on the Spotify, <laughs> the 40-yard switch, and follow us on Instagram, uh, same name, just the 40 is uh, spelt rather than numbered. And uh, yeah, as always, you've been... Will be. <laughs> and I've been Woodson. Woodson. <laughs> and we'll see you next time. Thanks very much. Bye. Thanks.